Welcome back, everyone, to the return of Spilled Popcorn! Make it rain the popcorn. Let's do it. Make it rain the popcorn. I hope you are ready for all the graphics. This is going to take like a month to edit because I have oh, so many Lord. creative ideas happening, Cam. So many. I want it to rain popcorn. Oh, I want no. there to be like confetti cannons of popcorn shooting out the side. I want everything. I want the works for this episode because it, this series is so different this is the show where we spill the popcorn on the latest and greatest streaming services and right now we are talking about spilled popcorn with what if from disney plus what if this is nuts i often imagine my life um my what if life without mm. uh your co-host cam wiggs and i never want to go there i never you want don't to want to there. go to your what if life I don't because it means you would not be there or it would mean you were a different version of yourself. Yes. Yeah, so, that's true. I mean, there's always enough good things, generally speaking, in your life to make you avoid the yes. what if. And I think yes. living... Specifically, oh, specifically me? If, of you, right. Like oh. if, we, if, if I had the what if Cam Wiggs versus what I, the real Cam Wiggs, the, um, uh, the sacred timeline Cam Wiggs. Yeah. Well, maybe he'd be nicer. I'm kind of a jerk sometimes, but I think uh, I try to position, I try to always position myself in life, make decisions to, to avoid what ifs, you know, like to do things in a way that in the future, I won't be like, oh man, what if I had done this instead? You know? So I I try to take the thing that I would like most regret passing on, which isn't always a good way to do it, but it is, it is a strategy. So with that, you are avoiding a nexus event in itself. Yes. you're, You're so fearful of not fearful but you're so um aware of what choice should be made you're avoiding all nexus events that's right i'm avoiding all the branch branch cams and that's <laughs> and i'm comfortable with that i don't want anything well, to just, do with those guys i just think that's brilliant uh, i'm your other co-host kirk and what what if cam what if our what if versions were like our personalities in like just swapped inverse yeah Ooh, i don't know that'd be fun that would be fun I think we should record an entire episode where we act like a completely different version of ourselves. I would like to have your energy level just in my day to day life. I would, I would okay. enjoy that. I, I would, I really would. Um, cause I also, I, I, I sometimes feel zapped of energy and you always seem to have just an unending well of it. And that's what I would like to tap into. Yes. I often, re- uh, reference, um, John Mulaney, uh, and his, uh, uh, his reference to being the mayor of nothing when he walks down the street. And that's what I attribute my, my same attitude. Um, <laughs> it, it really, when he said that uh, epiphany, that was my nexus event. I heard that I wasn't supposed to hear it. And then my energy just, I think it got bigger once I you saw were like, Oh, I've never related to something more in my entire <laughs> life. This is my truth. I, I've discovered my truth and I feel seen. It's true. It's like, why Why doesn't that person walking their dog at 6 p.m. at night, why don't they want to talk to me? Why don't they want to be smiling? my best friend? Why don't they love I, me? I'm taking out my trash, and I'm waving to everyone, and everyone's just like throwing their trash on the street and throwing it at me and then walking inside. I don't understand. <laughs> I digress. We came here to talk about what if. Hey, I think I we are know. talking about what ifs. <laughs> yes, we are. We are. And it is time to talk about the what if episodes we have episode one and two delivered to us through disney plus the great one of the greatest gifts that i've ever received um so if you have not watched what if get out of here just leave right now just a reminder we spill everything on here 
everything. So we're going to talk all about it. We're going to dive right into it. If you don't care, if you like to know the what ifs ahead of time, there are people out there like that. If you're my wife. Uh, yes. <laughs> Which, then, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> then, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure she'll will listen to this and then go watch the yeah, show. Yeah, well, 100% she will. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Let's dive in right now. We're going to skip. We're going to change the format because we're doing things crazy on this particular series watch. We are going to be uh, skipping the unwrapping because there's just so much to talk about. We already know the the main core lines of these of these characters. We already well, that's what's so fascinating about this series. Uh, one of the the biggest things I noticed is that the core of these characters, though they are taking on different responsibilities, though they are taking on different. Uh, uh, character arcs in a way, their personalities and their core values remain the same. It's very apparent in episode two uh, with uh, with T'Challa and Black Panther being becoming Peter Quill's role as Star Lord. Mm-hmm. But let's start with Captain Peggy Carter. Cam, what did you feel when you saw the the what if moment, uh, her own kind of nexus moment when? Steve Rogers gets shot and she takes she takes one for the team and she gets the serum. I thought lots of things. First of all, I liked that they, you know, coming fresh off of Loki, I liked that they were, you know, they were definitely heavily tying in the whole, you know, they're laying down ground rules, right? This is a Nexus event. They're starting to familiarize us with the glossary of terms that we need to know as we dive further into the multiverse. And so they're like, you know, this one small moment of Peggy deciding to stay down on the ground instead of going up like she was told to that was the thing Mm -hmm. that changed the whole course and i loved that because you know the butterfly effect and all that stuff i love thinking about the small things that happen day to day that could change everything um and that's what i wanted this show to be so that was exciting and i i like a lot of things about the fact that she was the one who actually got the super soldier serum i think whenever i saw the promotional material, I didn't know if that is exactly what they were going to go for. I didn't know if she was actually going to become a super soldier or, you know, I didn't know if she was going to be Captain Britain, you know, for example, another Marvel character. So I was interested to see the way they went, but no, she went through the exact same process, jumped into the machine, you know, got the injection, the whole, the whole nine. and, And she effectively became, you know, Captain Carter, no, no nation affiliation, and uh, had the super soldier serum and started, you know, changing the world. So I thought that was really cool, and I was, I was very intrigued by it. I really, I really dug the concept. Yeah, I love that they were able to maintain Haley Atwell as the voice yes. actor for this. Yes. I think that's critical uh, because she is fantastic. She didn't get her her day. Uh, she, she did a little bit, you know, but really she got her own show. And it wasn't successful. So Mm -hmm. I feel like this is her entry back into it. You know, there's already Loki where we think we saw her in episode one getting taken in by the TVA. So there's opportunity here to see, is she coming in in the TVA in Loki as Captain Carter? Or is she coming in as just Peggy Carter? We don't know. Maybe we see her as both. Who knows? That's super exciting. Um, One thing I love that you said, Captain Britain, uh, I believe uh, my favorite character to play play on the the uh, wii u uh lego marvel game i believe oh, yeah, Captain sure. Britain is in that game and excellent excellent uh control on that but i digress because i don't even play that many video games what i want to talk about uh also in this episode is uh bucky um when we see bucky when captain carter 
frees all of uh, all of her comrades, you know, and they're going after the Tesseract, going after Red Skull. When he first speaks, it was so uh, disorienting because it was not Sebastian Stan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it almost sounded like wimpy at, at first. I want to know how you felt about the, how you felt as the episode went on. Or were you still let down or did it grow on you? I think it grew on me. I think we have to remember, and I went back and watched Captain America, the first Avenger. Bucky was a very different vibe back then. He, he's, he's not had outside of Captain or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He hasn't had much on-screen character development, but he's had seismic shifts in his character aura as a result of the brainwashing, the imprisonment, you know, working for Hydra, all of that stuff. Um, so it, it was different. I, I do find it odd that they were, you know, as I understand it, they offered every existing character the opportunity to voice their character in what if that was mm. something that they did. Now, the one glaring omission is that Dave Batista apparently says that he was not asked and would oh. have done it. And so, you know, Brian Winderbaum, I believe that's his name. He's now the head of, um, Marvel animation, he was behind this show and he kind of cleared the air there and said that that was a mistake, but you know, I digress. The idea was that everybody they could get, they, they would get back and, you know, they get a lot of people who haven't been involved in the MCU in a long time back, including Stanley Tucci as, as Dr. Erskine Erskine. But so uh, I was surprised to see that, but it would have been nice to get some of the bigger voices back because Steve Rogers voice was different though, though a good, a very good impression Yes. And Bucky's voice was very, was very different, but you know, with it being a multiverse and stuff like that, you can, you can be okay with that. At least in, in my mind, you can be. Yes. I, I, it was hard for me. The first, this the episode's only 50 or 30 minutes, right? Yeah. For the first 15 minutes, uh, uh, which, you know, he wasn't introduced right away, but for 15 minutes of the episode, I felt disconnected to Bucky because the voice was so different. It was lighter. But then as it went on, you could see how he framed the animated character versus uh, Sebastian Stans. So I was okay with it by the end of it. Uh, I just wanted to know if there was that initial shock, like, huh? <laughs> yeah, certainly. The voice was so different Very, like, coming yeah. out, out the gate. I loved how he <laughs> how he said when when uh, Captain Carter saves him when they're jumping onto the the moving train, and she says uh, he says oh, I almost tore my arm off when she's rescuing him. Mm-hmm. I love that little nod. There's nods throughout. Uh, there's a few in the first episode. Tons tons of references to the rest of the MCU that we know in the second episode. Uh, but some other things from Captain Carter before we get going on. Uh, Peter Quill's uh, Black Panther T'Challa's episode is Steve Rogers. Yeah, gets you know shot effectively instead of getting the actual serum, and then they bust out the Iron Man suit for him. I mean, that came out of nowhere on my radar, and it just it blew me away because up until that moment, I was like, okay, great. This is good. It's, it's solid. You know, they've got a good story. They're retelling the story, but with, with the spin, with the what if spin, and then they dropped that bomb. And I want to know what you were feeling when you saw uh, Iron Man float into the picture. Yeah. Well, unfortunately I knew it was coming cause I'd seen the Funko pop. So <laughs> I knew that the Hydra stomper was coming. What I did not know is that it was Steve Rogers in it. Um, 
So I knew that the suit was coming when it turned out to be Steve Rogers. Just an overwhelming warmth in my heart because I love this idea that nothing was keeping Steve Rogers out of this war. You know, right. not, not his stature, not the fact that he got shot and got skipped over for the super soldier serum. Like he believed in the cause and believed in defending his beliefs and his rights and things like that to such an extreme degree that he found a way into this effort and got to show how he, how fearless he is, how brave he is. Um, what a great friend and, and, you know, it, it really enriched that character, honestly. It just, no matter which multiverse you go to, Steve Rogers is Steve Rogers, and he's a next-level patriot. He's a guy who stands up for what's right, you know, uh, has great values and a great relationship with Peggy and great relationship with Bucky, and just no matter what the outcome, it's still Steve Rogers. I, lo- I loved it, loved it, loved it. Me too, me too. It was so good. Uh, again, the core values of each of these characters remains the same, and it was most uh, most uh, relatable because that's uh, you know that's our captain, that's our Captain America yeah. that we know for for almost uh, fifteen years or whatever it is since the MCU start to end game. Uh, also, Howard Stark using the Tesseract as the power source for the Hydra Stopper was slick. Yes. That was cool. I had wondered. You know, once I'd seen the suit, I was like, well, how does that make sense? How, how do they how do they make it happen? And so then whenever the Tesseract fell into their hands and they used I, I thought that was really clever and well done. Yeah, it's it's all of these all of the tools that they're using are fascinating, creative and uh, quite shocking at times, quite shocking. One of the shocking things is that in this Red Skull gets crunched to oblivion by <laughs> Out, just out of nowhere um what's the what's the monster coming through the portal did we hear that i missed it i think i don't know uh yeah i, I don't <laughs> yeah. i don't really know what's you know going what? on there you know what was that you know in guardians of the galaxy uh part was it volume two yeah volume two what's that what's that monster that they fight at the beginning of i don't it? know what it's called but it's a big pink tentacle monster it's yeah it's different than the one that they come across in in this, in this one, this okay. this one had some sort of link to Hydra. The it was like the, you know, it was the octopus. It was, it was like the yeah, octopus. the symbol for Hydra. <laughs> I I don't I kind of got lost in the details there a little bit. I think it could have been a bit sharper there to be honest. But yep. um, it was it was a cool battle scene if nothing else. Dude, that thing picked him up, and just the the way that the artist, uh, the the animation artist, showed fear and like true fear in his face. Um, I mean, it was it was brilliant. It was you just knew like, oh, they're going to crunch him in just a moment, aren't they? And then the Foley artist, you know, oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely beautiful. Um, we'll we'll continue to talk about the about some of the what is so good about. Uh, in animation form uh, in just a moment. But the last kind of highlight that I want to chat about is Peggy's exit on this episode. She's saving the day, you know, her and her and uh, Steve are still exchanging. You owe me a dance. I'll, I'll pick you up on Saturday. And then she pushes with her vibranium shield into this monster, whatever the monster's name is through this portal and then shows up with Nick Fury and Hawkeye. Yeah. Insane. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, and this is speculative, you know, I, the the fact that the episode wasn't called "What if Cap," "What if Peggy Carter became Captain America?" It was "What if Peggy Carter was the first Avenger?" I think was mm-hmm. the title of the episode. 
that's very interesting because now you end up in a universe where Peggy Carter is dropped 70 years later. You know, it's presumably on the same timeline because Steve Rogers is dead. You know, she's, she's just time jumped forward, similar to how Steve was frozen and then, you know, unfrozen and, and, and jumped forward in time. Mm -hmm. And now she's in a position where she could potentially be the leader of the Avengers if all breaks well in this new universe. So that opens up a ton of possibilities going forward in this series and beyond really. Definitely. I love it. Let's talk about, uh, before we get into episode two, what, it, what this looks like, the scope of this in animation in artistry, uh, versus live action with, with real actors and, you know, the, the full production, how'd you feel about the, the medium of animation? You know, I like it. I think that, um, there are tons of opportunities to continue to make animated uh, content in the Marvel universe that ties into the larger Marvel universe. And by the sound of it, they have plans to do that. You know, we talked a little bit about that on the podcast um, this, this last week and how they're looking to create more shows. But I think the medium works. I think it, at, at times, you know, it's, it stylistically is a little bit different than what we're used to from animated shows these days. It doesn't really resemble anything super current right now with the exception of maybe the clone wars slash the bad batch it's slightly similar to that but it's but it's even a little more stylized than that at times i think it looks good um mm -hmm. i think it i think it works i worry about its appeal to to the masses a little bit i think people who are just truly mainstream marvel fans and aren't as in it for the the depth and the possibilities and the kind of stuff that we do speculating and talking about it, you know, is that a turnoff for them? I could see it being that. I think a lot of people have an aversion to the animated medium for more adult centric content. Um, I would say that's a mistake because I think it's, I think it's great, but I, I will be interested to see how this show performs up, up next to the, the performance of your Loki's WandaVisions, et cetera. Um, because, it is a very different feel for Marvel. But I, if you're asking for my personal opinion, I, I dig it. And I think it has a lot of room to grow even beyond this. Yeah. I will say that despite my passion for everything that we do, I do not watch animated things. So mm -hmm. this was hard for me to watch, uh, particularly episode one. Uh, by episode two, it was familiar, right? So, but episode one was hard for me to jump into until I was really hit with these big moments, uh, like the Hydra Stomper. Uh, that, was, that was a turning point for me. And seeing as how everything else played out, I think that you're exactly right. I think there will be some pushback. I think the viewership is going to be very interesting to see uh, by the end of this series because what does that look like? How many people really are going to sit down if they've never, if they don't already consume um, animation that's geared for an older generation? What what does that look like? Right? There's not that much. Like, there's enough content out there, but there's not like it's not exploding but this is the opportunity to make it explode and really mm -hmm. build out that niche market. Um, so I'm, I was in that, I was in that boat. I, but episode two, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in on this. Yeah. And I would say last thing on that, I think you bring up a lot of good points and I like, I value your perspective on that because I have always loved the animated medium. So mm -hmm. I'm always interested to hear from people who don't like it, but I totally get it. Um, but 
I do think they're walking an interesting tightrope with this because we know that, um, you know, they've come out, a couple of people high up at Marvel have come out and said that what if is canon, you know, whatever that means in a multiverse setting, it's canon, meaning it, it could, and I personally will expect it to cross over into the main universe at some point, meaning we might see a live action Captain Carter show up in an MCU film or television show at some point. I fully expect that to be a possibility. Now, with that comes the responsibility to be very careful with what you do because the animated medium allows you to do some different things, cut some different corners that you can't Mm -hmm. do in live action. But if you go too far out, it's hard to reel it back in and, 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 and then glue it together with the live action. You have to be really careful with how those two play off of each other. And I think you can do some stuff that's slightly more ridiculous in the animated set, but if they really want to tie it back, they have to be, reserved and thoughtful with how they how they do it so I'll, I'll be interested to see how that progresses throughout the first nine episodes of of this show right so if they did create a live action Haley atwell peggy or captain carter film or in just introduced her at, in the in the next uh, you know big film yep. right how do you explain that to someone who is not watching this series? They have to be careful to give enough information and not just expect it. Yep. Right. So like when Spider-Man was introduced into the MCU, very easy. Everyone knows Spider-Man. Everyone's seen two iterations of Spider-Man in the past 20 years. Very easy, flawless. Right. So you have to have that sort of narrative uh, power in order to do that. Maybe they'll trickle it in in the other live action series, Disney series, um, or maybe they'll just, you know, the brilliant writers that write these films that we love, maybe they will go ahead and uh, create, you know, six lines of dialogue and then be on their way, you know, yep. what, whatever it might be. But you have to make her look like Captain Carter. You know, you have to make her move like Captain Carter. The, those yes. are the things that can get lost in translation when you switch mediums that I think that I expect them to be thoughtful about, but it will be a challenge, no doubt. Yes, I uh, expect Haley Atwell to have arms the size of my face, like she has. <laughs> Her whole upper this. body looks like it can just crush anybody. Like she looks like yes. a super soldier. It's really cool. Yes, yes, yes. So nuts. Let's talk about episode two. We get T'Challa, Black Panther. We get Chadwick Boseman as the voice. His final performance is what this is. And yeah. does he just continue to just reach through the screen and just? squeeze your tear ducts like every moment he speaks is is so powerful there's only a few actors uh, out there that have such like such incredible voices that you cannot mistake and Chadwick Boseman's is one of those so uh oh my goodness it was so cool to hear this and so heartbreaking to know that after these nine episodes that's it so I, I I'm just curious fearful and excited about how what they do to his character by the by the end of these nine episodes um i guess in the animated form what do you think in the animated form they would potentially be able to continue this character because it's not necessarily the black panther likeness what do you think on that yeah it 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 will be interesting i i don't think they can ever have t'challa crossover worlds uh right they I mean, maybe potentially, but the way that they're doing the multiverse right now is like, it's the same exact person. They don't look different. They don't sound like it's the same person, just in a different timeline, different set of circumstances. So, uh, makes it difficult. 
But not every character has to cross over. And if he is just going to persist here and, and maybe, you know, I don't know if they would feel comfortable recasting somebody as him in season two or something like that. Um, that remains to be seen. But um, yeah, I think that this version of T'Challa will remain in the what if universe only and, and not, not extend beyond. Yep. What uh, the first thing I want to talk about is my favorite thing in this episode is that Nebula continues to call him Cha-Cha. Yeah. And that is such like a, uh, you know, you and I grew up with, uh, you know, 90s DC animated superheroes, uh, Batman, (laughs) Superman, you know, the Justice League, the whole works. And they had little quips like that that were like their through line that connected you, that grounded you to these characters. And I think that little that little charm is so simple and it either will break or make the character and it totally made nebula in this case call her calling him cha-cha like a hundred times i loved it i love every time she said it It was it was wonderful yeah karen gillen ladies and gentlemen karen gillen on on the mic and on the vocal performance uh who is is an actor that i continue to just really dig everything that she lays down I'm, I'm a huge fan of her work but i was actually literally just reading right before i walked into the studio that that was improv by by karen gillen that she she came up with cha-cha on the slide and and just really she had a uh, a really fun time with this performance obviously and, and enjoyed the fact that she was getting to explore nebula in a more fun loving slightly more innocent light and you know she really cares about this character and so getting to explore it in this way i think she saw it as a huge opportunity and, and had fun with the performance so yeah i'm with you i dug it i thought it was really fun you know there are moments when i absolutely love hate actors and that is so brilliant that that was <laughs> just organic and not actually written in that i i, I love her and i hate her brilliance yeah <laughs> you're I jealous of it. yeah of course it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, that that moment alone just ha- added such a such a layer of charm to the characters and the characters' relationship. Are they in love? Are they friendly? Are they do they have more of a brother sister relationship, or strictly do they need the other person to accomplish their end goal or their or their core values? You don't know, and that's what was so awesome about this episode and their relationship in particular. And I think that's why the Cha Cha uh, nickname is so mysterious. Uh, loved it. They Brilliant. also like convince us for a second that she's going to double cross. You know yes. that she's yes. gonna she's gonna turn him in, and you're like, ah, just goes to show Nebula being Nebula, <laughs> some things never change, and then it turns out that it was a triple cross, and yes. uh, yeah, I loved that bit. That was that was smart, and, and it made the episode. It added such a fun layer to the episode overall. Yeah, and I still don't trust her. She's more. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I think she's more of like a Loki character, um, not as diabolical. Uh, you know, of like I'm taking over the universe, but definitely like. What's my next move? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's she's a little bit of an agent of chaos, but more controlled. Like she's she's calm, cool, collected. Uh, like like a jazz Loki is what she is. <laughs> That's what I see. Um, of course, T'Challa gets kidnapped by Yandu at the top of this episode. He's got this explorer mentality. He doesn't want to be held down in Wakanda, which is in America, uh, in this setting, um, and. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we saw Gamora in this episode at all. Correct. Yeah, no Gamora. Fascinating. Where do you, where do you think she is? We get Yandu. We get Taserface. We get uh, Taserface. We get uh, Kraglin, Nebula, Thanos. I I don't know. You know, did 
Thanos somehow, well, Thanos didn't go on his path of death and destruction. Mm-hmm. And so he, he somehow ended up in a situation where Nebula was adopted, but he didn't adopt Gamora. Could T'Challa have had an impact on him that early? The timeline doesn't seem to line up, though I guess we don't really yeah. know exactly. But yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. But you have to assume that somewhere on the line, along the line, because Thanos didn't go around committing mass genocide from planet to planet, um, there it he is. didn't have to pick her up. That's know? exactly it. Yep, that's exactly it. So what iteration will we see her in? It was it was just so oh, it's crazy because you know that those three are just the perfect little uh, character triangle, you know, like core structure, the three of them together. So it was fascinating to see them still stand alone so strongly without all three of them together. And it was also blew my mind when Thanos just rolls up, you see his arm and then they pan up. You're like, Whoa, I did not expect him to pop into this episode. Yeah. And the vocal talents of Josh Brolin on display as well. Actually lots of big voices in this episode, including, um, Kurt Russell, uh, Josh Brolin, as I said, obviously Chadwick Boseman, Karen Gillan, uh, uh, Michael Rooker. Uh, so it was, it was good. We got mostly original cast, even Benicio del Toro who plays uh, um, the collector was, was on display in this one. So uh, good showing the Thanos thing, man. <laughs> I, I'm interested. I'm interested to get your take on this because I, this is where I struggle with this stuff being Canon. You know, I, I almost wish they hadn't said that and they say it later or something like that because it's like, okay, if you're just writing a what if episode, that's a hilarious bit to throw in there. Like if it's just truly a what if, and it's only going to live in there, like, Hey, what if T'Challa like changed Thanos's mind and, and, and avoided all of the death and destruction that he caused, including the entire events of infinity war and Endgame? Like, imagine that. I love that. Um, I think it's funny. I think it works, but then whenever you throw it into like, this is potentially Canon and could cross over. It's like, what a scathing condemnation this is of Peter Quill. <laughs> you know, yes. like, hey, if Yondu had picked up uh, T'Challa instead of you, um, the Ravagers would be basically the, you know, Robin Hood's merry men, right? You know, going around, helping people out, robbing from the rich, giving to the poor. And Thanos would have not killed everyone in the world just because T'Challa yeah. had a conversation. Like, wow, Peter Quill, you suck. Like in that world, you work at a Dairy Queen, and you, <laughs> you know, you're you're worthless. Not that not that working at Dairy Queen makes you worthless, but just like if you had been picked up, that we know what happens. But instead, yes. T'Challa gets picked up, and the whole universe is better for it. Like what? What in yeah, the world? Peter Quill just always uh, grabs the short straw. I mean, yeah, he's he, just taking L's left and he right. Effectively, man. you know, got ticked off at the wrong time and caused you know Thanos to get to escape when they almost had him you know tied down in Infinity War, and he was able to snap and, and get rid of everybody. And uh, then, of course, this. Yeah, I, I love it. It's it's fascinating because he just. He's not royalty. He's not T'Challa. You know? <laughs> He's just not T'Challa. T'Challa is just a next level good guy. And I'm yeah. fine with that. <laughs> like I said, it's just, it's also like you have to consider what that means for Peter Quill, especially since at the end, they kind of drop this nugget of like Kurt Russell, maybe turning Peter Quill evil at the end. Kind of, at yes. least that was the vibe I was getting. Like he shows up, his, his eyes turn white and he's like 
time to meet your dad or whatever. And it's like, Ooh, I wonder how that's going to turn out. But yeah, to see just like Kurt Russell, one of two things, either Kurt Russell hypnotizes him and maybe he's, maybe he can be saved down the line and he can be walk someone else's path or Kurt Russell eats him is what I got the vibe of with that, with those bright white eyes. I'm like, Oh, he's going to just like absorb him so he can grab the rest of his power so he can continue like destroying the world. Um, which I mean, we don't have a, a presumed bat, big bad in this series. Yeah, like, true. are we going to see all these characters together by episode seven, eight, nine, who knows, or are these standalone episodes and we won't see them together till, you know, next season. But if Kurt Russell ego gets a, a, a longer uh, amount of time of being evil, mm-hmm. because in guardians volume two, he did have a good amount of time of being evil. You kind of got the vibe right out the gate. You're like, nah, something's up. But if you can just see him completely diabolical and unhinged, unleashed, that's going to be really cool in this animated series. I agree. He has big, bad potential in this series. And I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't a straight tie-in between one and two, but I do expect the tie-ins to come. I do expect the tie-ins to come later on. I mean, it it obviously is going to get a little bit weirder. We've got, we've got, um, you know, like the Killmonger thing. We've got Marvel zombies coming up. So it'll be interesting to see how it ties in or if it ties in. But to me, my ultimate speculation is that they're building to a situation where Peggy Carter is the captain of a multiverse Avengers that will eventually cross over in some sort of multiversal wars or secret wars or, or yep. something, some sort of map, the big next event. That's, that's mm-hmm. my ultimate prediction. And then we can see Anthony Mackie and her fight alongside each yeah. other. Uh, and we can see the Russo brothers return to Marvel to direct Secret Wars, which they they have alluded to the fact that they would return for that project. Yes, let's make it happen because this this world is their baby. They they turned everything upside down for uh, not only just just the this series, uh, but really in cinema they did they really changed the game it's really cool because we as you know in in our age right now it's kind of cool because we hear about all these landmark movies and we kind of know it's like oh yeah if you look at movies after this particular movie a lot of movies kind of took on that blueprint well we're seeing it we're seeing it and we have for the past decade now since winter soldier when they took over uh for all the cool things that they've done and injected and all the not copycats but the inspirations that have come across through other filmmakers other directors and that is so cool i love yeah it's crazy to think that those two guys are the first people to ever pull off a massive cross you know you know, cross crossover event of that scale. They're the only yeah. ones who have ever done it. Something that everybody just assumed would never work in cinema and they made it happen. And, and there will undoubtedly be more to come. You know, maybe Spider-Man No Way Home is that. Maybe Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is that. But they were the first. They were the first ones to pull it off successfully. Yeah. And they, and every time they did something, it got better, right? It wasn't, it never backslid. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah, that's better. Oh, that's better. Nothing failed. Nothing failed along the way. Like they're brilliant. They took such good care of it. So yes, we need them to come back. We need, we need them to come back. If Thanos returns, um, if he returns as a as a uh, a reformed character, could we see him down the line fighting with the Eternals as he is one? Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he he 
Yeah, I'll be interested to see how they explain Thanos' relationship to the Eternals, especially on the heels of that new trailer that we got today. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a complicated one. You know, he has he has one parent who's an Eternal, the other is an uh, Eternal with deviant traits, so he's a he's a deviant slash Eternal. Um, but yeah, he's I mean, a mug there, blood. He's they, a mug blood <laughs> Eternal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, there is definitely a chance that we could see good guy Thanos fighting, fighting for America's soul rather than, or, or the universe the soul of the universe or soul of the earth rather than fighting against it. I think they've laid the groundwork for that. Of course, there's also the possibility they just let it be a funny bit and, and ride off into the Tuscan sunset, which I'm frankly fine with that too, but I'm interested to see what happens. Right. He's kind of like, he reminds me of like an intellectual Johnny Bravo, uh, in this, <laughs> in the yeah. series. Cause he's massive Huge. and he's like, you know, I, I take it as a, it's random. That's why it's not genocide. It's efficient. You know, those phrases yeah, that he's using. Even words. without the infinity gauntlet, he is a force to be reckoned with. I mean, he, yes. he, he would be, you know, one of the top 10 beings in, in the universe so far in terms of brute strength and power for sure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'm looking at my notes here. The last kind of note I have uh, talking about the episodes themselves uh, is the collector. We, we get the collector in several films uh, throughout the MCU in little snippets. His longest is in guardians volume one. And I just think that this take on the collector, I really, really love. I really loved it. Uh, He's intimidating. He's powerful. He's not squeamish. He's ready to kill and he doesn't care. Um, It seems like you're in that same boat as well. Will is there a chance we see more of the collector? Obviously, everything like what if, what if, what if? Um, could we see like uh, a full on he is the big bad in one of the MCU films, like a standalone film? Potential. I, I don't know that I would go that far. I think it's possible he plays a role in the in the MCU ongoing and maybe is a, a you know a part. You know, he's got the Black Order working for him, which was yeah. which is Thanos's old crew, so they could definitely do some damage. Um, I don't know how much play they're going to want to get out of that character, but I agree with you. I love the reimagining and I love Benicio del Toro. I think he's, he's been great. And I was actually sad to see him die at the hands of uh, Thanos in, in infinity war. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know that they'll go that far, but I dig it. I'm, I'm here for it. If they do, it's, it's a cool idea for sure. Yeah. I love that. You know, there's all these opportunities. Uh, There was no character that I saw in either of these episodes where I was like, nah, I didn't really like that kind of spin on it Mm -hmm. again, because they kept their, their core values the same. That's why, that's why it works. That's why it's working for me. Um, Which episode let's, let's dive into some crumbs. You know, I want to talk speculation real quick with what's to come. And, uh, but I first want to know your preferred episode did you prefer one over two two over one about the same where are you at with these uh i'm gonna be in the minority on this one but i would say i actually liked one better um, okay personally just because it had a it was a little bit more clear to see where we started from and where we're going to me Mm -hmm. and so episode two right now feels very encased and so I, while I like it and I like the aesthetic and everything, I, it doesn't, it's not as clear to me what comes next for those characters or if there's even a future for them. So um, I, I liked one better, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the opposite boat. I did like two better. I mm-hmm. like the structure of it better. I'll even say, like, I, uh, if I had to, like, rank my favorite uh, MCU characters, it goes Thor, 
think I've been vocal enough about that, ladies and gentlemen. And then I would say it comes in second as Captain America. So, and I will say as a, as an avid Captain America fan, Captain America first Avenger didn't do that character justice. Uh, it's solid. It's good, but it could have been better. It really could have been better. Mm-hmm. So seeing that in episode one for me, it was a little hard to like watch. And that's why it, nothing really, my blood didn't start like, um, like rushing or rising until I saw the Hydra stopper. Then I'm like, this is cool. This is really cool. So while I did still like episode one, I think I liked episode two a little more. Yeah. I feel you. Will we see an evil Peter Quill in the real MCU if he's hypnotized and not absorbed by Kurt Russell? In the live action MCU? Mm-hmm. He gets popped out of a portal somewhere and it's evil Dairy Queen Peter Quill. <laughs> if I'm going odds, I'm going to say I would lean no. But okay. it, it, it's not impossible. But I, my, for my money, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And um, viewing numbers, speculative viewing numbers, briefly talked about this already. Do I don't even know if we have a metric for this for um, maybe you have looked at a metric for viewing numbers for the previous Disney Plus series. Do we have any kind of intel on that? It's it's grown with each series. Okay. Falcon and the, at least from a premiere perspective, Falcon and the Winter Soldier did better than WandaVision. Loki did better than the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, those numbers are slightly skewed because they switched to a Wednesday release for for Loki, so it got it technically got like two extra days to rank up viewership. So it's a little yep. bit it's a little bit wonky. I think this one will come in below it just because I I don't think the marketing has been as clear and Marvel is. They're doing a better job with Shang Chi in the recent recent promotions, but they've done a they haven't done a good enough job being like, this is the MCU. You need to watch it to know about the MCU. You know what I mean? They they haven't yes. done a good enough job of like tying that in for the layperson who's not as close to it as the the avid fans. So I feel like it will suffer because of that. Yep, I hear that. I feel that as well. Anything else you want to talk about, Cam? That uh, that popped up that you are dying to speak out on. No, I'm good. I've given my big prediction, which is the the Captain Carter starting her own uh, Avengers team that will cross over into the multiverse in some form or fashion, you know, back into the main timeline. So that's what I'm watching for, and I'm excited to see what comes next. Yes, and as my predictions are always right, I am going for Dairy Queen Peter Quill coming out <laughs> in the MCU. Guardians Volume 4. Moment. Yes, there it is. Uh, and they meet and they meet and or they volume fight three, like sorry, America end game. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's my prediction. And I think mine will trump yours. I think that's just what's going to happen. I like yeah. it. I like the confidence at the very least. <laughs> that's all we have today, guys. Don't forget. Uh, what if drops every Wednesday, not Friday. Keep that on your calendar because mm-hmm. we have got seven more of these episodes of What If and seven more episodes of Cameron and I talking like this because we're slightly different than our regular spilled popcorn people. Who knows? We're variants. Guys, this is rhetoric playing out right here. Thanks so much to all of you. Thanks so much to Cam. Could not do this without you, sir. Thank you, man. We will talk with you next week. Peace. Peace.